Evening, church. Or morning, if you're deciding to watch it in the early in the morning. Um, as you can see, I just want to echo a little bit of what Chris and Gershom said. Um, how Chris said, a church that's scattered is still a church. And, and you know what? When, when I read the book of Acts, it's actually when the church scatters that it's when the church actually grows. And I know we are in confusing and chaotic times, but I believe, like Gershom said, Jesus, he is still on the throne. He is ruling and he is reigning and he is still king. This pandemic has not taken him by surprise. It's going to be okay because we are in his hands and, and, and he takes care of us and he loves us. And tonight, I, I just want to drill that point in. Yeah. Jesus loves you. Is it strive Drive, drive, drive. Yeah. Uh, no, no, no edits, no cuts. This is as real as it gets. Yeah. So, as for now, you know that the church cannot gather in one big place, one big hall, but that's okay because we're still allowed. Until the government say otherwise, we're still allowed to gather in our small pockets of fellowship and of communities, things like youth group, young adults, or young families. And so if you are watching online and, and you haven't got plugged into us yet and, and you want to be connected, please just search us up on our website and, and you can contact us on our website and someone will plug you in and you can get connected and you can be a part of this loving community. Um, so that being said, let me ask you this question, because I believe in times like this, God is making us rethink church, and we are doing church very differently. But, but let me ask you this, when I say church, what comes to your mind? What do you think a church should look like? Okay, you thought about it? Now, if I grab a Bible and I say to you, hey, you're only allowed to describe the church the way how the Bible emphasizes the church. What would you start thinking? What do you see when the Bible talks about the church? Well, I'll tell you what I see. What I see is that the church is marked by its love. It's, it's marked by its devotion to God's word. It's, it's marked by prayer and, and how the, the believers came together and they broke bread together. And, and they had also the sense of urgency to get this, this thing called the gospel out. That's what I see when I read the Bible. It, it's, it's very different from what we sometimes view the church. Oh, the church has to be in this big building, has to have a band, has to have this, this great preacher, has to have smoke machines and lights and lasers and, and a children's ministry, all that, and, and refreshments at the end. But it's very different when it comes to the Bible. The, the Bible, it's like, hey, a church is marked by its, its love, how how the believers devoted themselves to the word, to, to prayer, to the breaking of bread, and the sense of urgency to spread the gospel. Those are the essential of church. But tonight, I obviously don't have time to go through all the essential, but I'll just go through one thing. So if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn with me to John chapter 13, 34 to 35. It will also be up on the screen. And it says this, Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. 
By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So before we dig further into the passage, would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we thank you that we can still gather, even though it's not how we gather as usual. And, and we are doing things different, but Lord, we thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. That you are still king and that you still love us. And Lord, I pray that we will just enjoy this time because your presence is with us. Because Lord, you have never left us. And you're always by our side. And we we thank you for that. So help us now as we open your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let me give you the context of our verse. This is towards the end of Jesus' ministry. This is pretty much his last week before his death, and and he's been predicting his death. He's been telling his disciples, yo, guys, I'm going to die. Something's going to happen to me. I already told you this many times throughout the three years of ministry that I had with you. I'm going to be lifted up, but when I'm lifted up, I'm going to draw all men to myself. But still the disciples were like, what is he all about? Like They had no clue, but Jesus was still very lenient and patient with them. And he continues to hint to them. And even during the last, the very last meal together, Jesus takes bread and he says, Hey guys, this is my body that's going to be broken for you. Hey guys, he, he takes the cup. Hey guys, this is the cup. And this represents my blood because my blood's going to be spilt out for you. Like, guys, I'm going to die and still the disciples still had no clue. And even on his last goodbye speech to them, he says to his disciples this, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. Because if you love one another, that's how the world would know that you are my disciples. So back in the past, it was very easy for people to know who the disciples were. How would people know that the disciples were the disciples of Jesus? It was easy because they followed him. They physically followed him. So Jesus would walk up the hill and far away. They would also walk up the hill and far away. It's very easy. It's like, okay, you roll with Jesus. But now Jesus knows that he's not going to be there physically for them. How would people know that they are his disciples? And this is what he tells them. Hey, this is your new mark of discipleship. Your new mark of discipleship is how the world will know that you are my disciples is if you love one another. That's it. It's not by the clothes that you wear. It's not by the shoes that you wear. Maybe like you're wearing Christian clothes or, or the bumper sticker on your car. No, no, it's not any of that. It is purely by your love for one another. Let's be real with one another now. Do you think the world today still associate Christians with, with our love for one another? Like, like in moments like these, if you, if you go and knock on people's doors on your neighborhood, don't do that if we're on lockdown. But if we're not on lockdown and if you go around your neighborhood and you ask, just knock on people's doors and take a little survey and, and you ask, hey, what do you think of Christians? Would they be like, oh yeah, those Christians, even though I'm not a Christian, I love those guys. Those guys are cool. Or would they say, oh, those Christians, they're they're known for their hypocrisy. They're known for their politics. They're known to be money hungry and and how they embezzle and 
the, the tax and, and all that and, and all the bad connotation that goes along with Christianity our, nowadays, how we're like against love and, and all of that. How we have a list of rules. Do they know us and associate us with that? Are we still known for our love for one another? How can the church now, in today and in this season, change their minds? Change their perception of us? How can we make them give Christianity a good shot? I tell you what, it's not going to be how it's, how it's not going to work. It's not going to work if we just try to find the best and better communicators. It's not going to be when we, we, we get a better band, but our band's pretty good already. It, it's not going to be when we try to bring the brightest of minds, come and strategize to how to get more funding, and through all that funding, try to put on better and more flashier programs. It's not going to be through that. But you know what's going to attract them? It's actually going to be our love for one another. That's it. It's your love for your brothers and it's your love for your sisters. That's it. It's not rocket science. Love one another. Now, I've been, if, if you know me, I've been, I've been serving at a few churches um, already throughout my life. This Oikos church is my fifth one. But every time I see in my ministry, when a church actually starts loving one another, that's when the church grows. And so I'll share with you one story. When I was, um, I was a leader of this little Vietnamese church. And it's, we, we had this young little, little um, we had a little family camp. And that year, what happened was we had a lot of these youth kids, they started believing in Christ and then they started bringing their friends and, and then suddenly a whole grade of them started coming. And so there was a lot of non-Christian at our, at, at our little family camp. And so what happened, by the, towards the end of the camp, I got to speak to a few of them and you know what? A few of them gave their life to Christ and said, yeah, yeah, I really understood that good news. I, I really want my sins to be forgiven. Like, like Dexter, how, how can I get into a relationship with Jesus? And, and so I led them through prayer and then I told them some more about you know, what they're signing up for. And, and so they really wanted to become Christians. And, and hallelujah, they, they became Christians. And so to celebrate, it was the last night of camp, what we did was we stayed up all night. And we stayed up all night playing poker. Not with money, but with our life on the line. So we're not playing to win. We're playing not to be punished because the punishment is going to be super harsh. And this is the punishment. They will jump in the freezing pool. It's in the middle of winter. And so we stayed up all night. It's 5 a.m. And so all the losers in the poker game will have to jump in the pool, but only one person is going to be okay. But I forced them to go also into the pool. And I also forced the guest speaker we had at that time to also go into the pool. And so what happened is when we got outside in our little togs, some boys had their shirt off like me because I was showing my, um, my summer bod, but it was winter. There was a jacuzzi that's, uh, that's very warm, very hot, and then there's a swimming pool that's like, it looks like it's going to freeze. It, looks, it, has, it has icicles on it. And so what we did was I said, hey, guys, so here's the punishment. Now, everyone's doing this, even if you want it, I don't care. Even if you're the guest speaker, I don't care. 
This is the punishment. This is what we're going to do. We're going to dip ourselves in a hot jacuzzi and then go do laps around this, the cold swimming pool so the cold swimming pool will even be colder. And so we have to do this three times, and we did it three times. And um, if you can look at the photos, it's, it was fun. This is, uh, this is us. Okay, we're going to do this. It was warm back then, and then we, we jumped in the pool, and we regretted it. It was so cold, and, and kids like couldn't even talk. And then we jumped back into the jacuzzi. So hot, cold, hot, cold, hot, cold, three times. And by the end of it, we were all laughing. But then by the end of camp, what happened was um, I found out that the guest speaker was like bedridden. A whole bunch of the kids got sick. And then I kind of woke up. I'm like, oh, man, that was stupid. That was really stupid. Like, these guys are new Christians. They probably think, like, what the heck did I get myself into? Is this a cult? Like, these guys are crazy. And so when I went to talk to them, I say, hey, guys, um, sorry. That was, uh, that was really irresponsible of me. I was a bad shepherd. Like, uh, I'm really sorry. I forced you guys uh, to do this. This is what they said to me. They said, Dexter, I, we, we didn't want camp to end. We've, we've seen nothing like this. You Christians, you don't need alcohol to have fun, and there's just so much joy here. All the adults know our name, and they treat us like they're kids. We feel like family here. We never wanted this experience to end. We, we would never trade it for anything in the world. And th- that's what they said to me. I'm telling you what, Oikos Church, you know what our vision is? You know what we exist for? It, we exist, and, and this is our vision, a home for all. And so when people come into contact with us, when people join our small communities, what we want them to feel is that they feel so loved, so loved that they are a part of a family. And Oikos Church, you are doing very well at the moment because I, as your pastor, when when I come to Oikos Church, I just feel so loved. I just feel the loving environment here. And and, and you you guys take care of your pastor well. Um, just a few couple of mentions is, is Kai. Thank you, because Kai, what he does is he, he gyms with me. He, and this is what Kai says. Kai says, our brother Kai, he's, he's the head usher. He's really big, and he's a specimen of a man. Uh, he, he says, Dexter, I'm just doing my part to keep you healthy. Yes. And, and I'm like, thank you, because I want to get big and buff for the time when Ariel gets a boyfriend, I'd be a bit intimidating. <laughs> I also want to thank you to Limmy. Limmy, you, you are one of the most generous person I know, and you love my wife, Demi, and Ariel so much that, that you come over uh, on a Thursday night when you, or, or Thursday when you're still here just to babysit Ariel so me and Demi can either go on a date or Demi can do some chores and I'm doing my sermon. Thank you. I love the loving environment here. Just the people in the room. Thank you for coming today, even though there's a whole scare of the coronavirus, but you guys still come and gather. And when you guys came and gathered, I saw the excitement in your face. You're like, hey, guys, or hey, hey, this person, hey, that person. It's so good to have you here. I love the loving environment that we have at this moment. Just cherish it because this is so precious. This is what makes the world drool and froth and like, I want to be a part of that. I want to have some of that. This is something unique that we have. It's our love for one another. And I don't know when we're going to go into full 
isolation, full lockdown. But I still believe that even when that time comes, we can still love one another. Maybe not physically, but we can just, you know, we can FaceTime each other. There's technology these days and, and we can call each other up. We can pray with one another. We can, hey, let's, let's do Bible study with, with each other. Or, or you can just check up on each other, just, just have random talks. We can still love one another. Just because the church doesn't gather in one place anymore, we don't, we, it's not like we stop existing. It's not like we're going to take a break or a holiday. No, we're going to be still on mission. But as of now, because we are still allowed by the government to gather in these small groups, so I encourage you to still come together with your youth group, with your young adults, with your young families. You can still come together and imagine the environment that you create. Oh, hey, it's so good to see you. You don't have the coronavirus, right? Oh, it's cool. Hey, look, I, I kind of panicked, bought too much toilet paper. You want some? And we're just sharing things with one another. Oh, here's some chocolate, here's some popcorn. Because I know that you, you binge on Netflix during this season. Who here has someone whom they really love, whom doesn't know Christ at the moment? Anybody? Wouldn't it be the type of environment where you want to invite them in? And when they see our love for one another, you know what? They're going to see that, hey... Jesus, this love that Jesus, this Jesus that they, my Christian friends talk about, maybe he's real. Maybe he's real. Not because then they're, they're not just hearing us say we love one another. Hey, I love you, bro. Or hey, I love you, sister. No, no. But they're actually seeing love demonstrated, love in action. And here's how we are to love. Jesus already given us how we should love like. He says, love one another as I have loved you, as I have loved you. He spelt it out for us. So we don't need to be confused because in this day and age where we live in a society that has a selfish type of love that says, you do you because you're worth it. It's a selfish type of love, but no, no. He spells it out, love like I love. And the famous passage that gets read at, uh, in, at weddings a lot is 1 Corinthians 13. It says this. It describes how love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It does not dishonor. It is not self-seeking. It is not angered. It keeps records of no rights and wrongs. It does not delight in evil, but it rejoices in the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, preserves, and it never fails. Now, we only hear that passage at Christian weddings, but it, you know what? It's, it's not meant to be just for Christian weddings. It's meant to be for everyday life. It's not meant to be just for you and your wife or you and your husband. No, no, this is for, for everybody. This is how we love. And Jesus is love. He's the personification of love. Like he, he gets to define what love is. And so if you just put Jesus' name in front of love, like say so switch love out in Jesus, it says this, Jesus is patient, Jesus is kind, and it goes so forth and so forth. Now, we are called to imitate Christ, right? 
Tough crowd. <laughs> so imagine if I put my name instead. Is Dexter patient? Is Dexter kind? <laughs> not envy, he is not proud. Oh, oh, failed there. And I'm not going to go through the list because I'm going to fail a lot of them. You know what? I, I believe that this love that I have is still developing. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has not yet finished his good work in me. And I know, and I know that the Holy Spirit is faithful and he is continuing to work in me until I come to completion. I come to perfection. He is molding me more like the sun. And, and, it's, and it's a process. And, and I'll tell you what, like how, how I have developed. Like this is the second part of our vision. Home for all, but we, we just don't leave you there. But the next part of our vision is to be made new for his purpose. And we are all making new, being made new. We are all getting transformed because the Holy Spirit is all in us and, and, and transforming us into the likeness of his son. And so back in the past, you know what happened? When I, when I click on TV and when I see any charity ads or anything like that, I would just change the channel because I didn't care. I didn't care. It's like, I, I didn't, okay, don't judge me now. <laughs> it's, it's different now. But I didn't care. I'm like, I just changed the channel, channel to Power Rangers or something. Like. But now, when I watch these ads and these charity organizations like Compassion or something comes up, or I even listen to it on the radio on how harsh the condition is over there for those kids. I'm driving in the car and I'm crying. I'm like, get these kids some food. And I'm, I go home and the moment I get home, I'm scrambling for my credit card to just give to them. And I don't know what happened. And I looked and I'm like, okay, God's changing me. I used to be so callous towards the poor, but now I'm like, no, no. There's something that I can do. There's, there's something that I can do here. There's something, there's, I can love these, like sponsor a child or, or, or something like that. And last year I got to go to a mission trip with AOC. And AOC, Australian Oikos Care. And our church, Oikos Church, is a part of that mission organization. And when I got there, I was so impressed because what our church is not just doing is we're not just giving these kids an education, but we're giving these kids that go to our school an opportunity to get to know Jesus. So you know what we're not about? We're not about giving them a better future. No, we're about giving them a better eternity. That's, that's what we're about. And so I'm proud to, be, to say that Oikos Church has our personal mission organization that, that has Jesus and the gospel at its heart. Our church vision, a home for all and made new for his purpose. And I believe, again, the Holy Spirit is working in each one of us. And to be more like Christ, we have to love like Christ. To be like Christ, we have to love like Christ. And so imagine when someone that you invite 
in your neighborhood or your friends into our community for the first time and, and the attitude of your brothers and sisters around you is like, hey, it doesn't matter which skin color you, you have. It doesn't matter which political view that you have. It doesn't matter which sport team you go for. It doesn't matter if you're Samsung or Apple. It doesn't matter if you like Pepsi or Coke. It doesn't matter your social economic status. It doesn't matter what car or home that you live in or which IQ that you have, if it's low or high. Hey, come on in. Unless they cough and it's like, oh. (laughs) Unless you're sick with coronavirus, we kindly ask that you stay at home and self-quarantine. But hey, you know what? We're still going to love you. We're still going to help deliver food at your door. We're not going to treat you like a leper and like, ew. No, no, when this is all over, you know that you have a family. We're going to be there for you. So, So imagine... so. Church, I hope this doesn't happen to any one of you. But if one of your brothers and sisters does catch the virus, hey, let's be committed in being there for them and helping however we can. This is a time where the church raises up and show the world, hey, we really do love one another. We're not just saying it, we're going to do it. Are you with me, church? And so when this is all over, this whole coronavirus Some people say two weeks, but I'm hearing like six months. When this is all over, when we finally get to reunite and gather together as one big family, just imagine when we come back together and there's new faces in the crowd. Those new faces are from the result of you inviting your friends and your family into those small pockets of community. And imagine the celebration we're going to have when we come back together. Because we rose up and be what the church should be like. We rose up and we obeyed Jesus' new command that we're going to love one another. Just, Just imagine that. It's when in these times that the church is scattered that the church can grow. And when we are full... It's full isolation. It does not mean that we stop loving one another. And here's other good news. You know what? This command with loving one another. Jesus, uh, Dexter, Jesus, um, you know that I'm very uh, grumpy. I'm a grumpy person. I have a temper. I just want to punch people in the throat. I don't like people. I like to self-isolate myself even before the coronavirus. Let me tell you, this command of loving others. You know what? It's not by your own efforts. It's not that I have to conjure up and squeeze up all the willpower to love other people. No, no, no. It, it comes naturally from the overflow of Jesus' love for me. It's when you realize, what? Jesus, you love me. Me with all my deficits and flaws. And we have a God that says, yes, I still love you. There is a God that knows your every sin that you ever committed. There is a God that knows your every wrong, every error. But he still covers for you. He still chases you. He sends his son down for you. You are objects of God's love. 
And God didn't just merely say it. No, no, he showed it in action. He demonstrated it. Just look at the cross. Look at his son on the cross with the nail-pierced hands and feet, crown of thorns on his head. His body was broken and his blood was spilt. This is God's love for humanity. This is God's love for you and I. It's not because we loved him. No, no, it's because this is love because he loved us first. When we were undeserving, when we were his enemies, when we transgressed against him, when we failed repeatedly and epically. But his love was still relentless. It was still persistent. It was a love so unconditional. So church, this is here how we love. Freely we receive. Freely we give. If we know and plugged into our source well, of course we're not going to withhold anything back from our brothers and sisters. Hey, you know what? My brother, my sister, I'm going to give you my time. I'm going to give you my energy. I'm going to give you some of the resources that I've, I've stacked up. Maybe some money. Why? Because true love is costly. True love is sacrificial. And so when I look at you, I'm not just seeing you, I'm seeing you are the objects of God's love and, and Christ is my foundation on how I treat you. I must see you through the lens of the blood of Christ. This is the filter in which I now view you. My God died for you. That's how valuable and precious you are. And you're family to me. You are my brother. You're my sister. And I love you. So I call church in times like this. We must love one another. And we must remember that our Heavenly Father loves us. God bless you, church.